0: All right, salutations you wonderful souls and welcome to another episode of We The Scenario. I'm your host, Tony Siona, and joining me today in the co-pilot seat is the vibrant and talented Miss Anya. Today we are in the presence of a true hero based out of Southside, Chicago, Illinois, an alumni of Xavier with a Bachelor of Science in Biology, also a Doctor of Pharmacy from Xavier University and Clinical Hospital and Managed Care Pharmacy. Please join me in welcoming the essential care guru, Dr. Melanie Owens. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you
0: so much for having me. Oh, man, we love it. We appreciate it. Miss Anya, the floor is yours. Let's get it started.
2: Okay. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Miss Melanie hey. Owens. Um, we are so happy to have you here today. Um, so can you just tell us, like, what just kind of brought you here to, on today's hey, show? God. So,
1: um... I was inspired to come to today's <laughs> show. Uh, Dwayne Akins is you guys' uh, executive director and co-founder, and he's also a very good friend of mine from Xavier University. Um, asked me to come and just kind of represent and highlight some of the ways that Blacks show up in science. So
2: I'm here. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so can you tell us where you grew up and what was it like going
1: through I I didn't hear her. I was in high school. Okay, no, that's a-
0: in college. Your mic is going. Oh, okay. In the-
2: um. So, can you just kind of? Oh, it is.
0: Are you back? You got it.
2: Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay. Um. If you could kind of just tell us, you know, where you're from, how you grew up, and just your experience with middle school and high school, and even college with your um, major.
1: Um, so I grew up on the south side of Chicago um, on 87th and Justine, um, in a rural, uh, urban neighborhood. Uh, you know, young black middle class families uh, with my older sister, younger brother, and both my parents. Um, and my parents chose to send us to Catholic school, so I have a little bit of an upbringing that's different from the, I guess, the regular people in our neighborhoods. Um, <laughs> just because of the months that we grew up in we would have been forced to start school later so that was their way around working with that. Uh, but I did choose to continue my Catholic school education through high school and college with Xavier being the only Catholic HBCU in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I think it was a little bit different, um, but it's always been college geared. My high school was, um, you know, geared towards keeping us college motivated, helping us determine majors, really focusing and pushing us towards like good grades and career management and figuring out what we wanted to do and be in the world. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. Um, So what inspired you to want to have a career in the pharmaceutical field?
1: Uh, So both of my parents are actually pharmacists, uh, retired now, but they have had a variety of different careers in pharmacy from director of pharmacies. They've owned three pharmacies in their lifetime, uh, two while I was a child. So, I mean, it's always been kind of in the forefront of, you know, like what I was doing and what, you know. I saw every day growing up with them. Um, so, especially with the, the ones that they owned, we were able to go in and kind of help, you know, pretend to manage, you know, as children, like mm-hmm. the pharmacy and help to keep things organized and, you know, just see how it was done.
2: Okay,
0: cool. Yeah. And consider the fact that you're in the pharma school field, um, working at Walgreens for over. 20 years, how's that been? Like, what kind of experiences have you had being there two decades?
1: Uh, a lot of changes with technology and, uh, you know, the focuses of the company have changed. Um, customer care always being in the forefront, but definitely being in the lead now with everything that's going on with, you know, like mental health and all the crises and the pandemic and just trying to make sure our customers are happy and taken care of.
0: It looks like a lot of these pharmacies are like, You know, private based. Did you ever think about creating your own pharmacy, pharmaceutical like building and have your own Dr. Melanie Owens, you know, RX? Has that ever came to fruition for you?
1: No, I've thought about it, but it's not really my charge. Uh, I'm not a big uh, entrepreneurial thinker, if you will. Uh, My parents have done it, So I saw some of the struggles that they had with it. Uh, They did it while still having full-time pharmacy jobs as well. So, you know, it just seems like a lot to me. I have worked at an independent pharmacy in addition to Walgreens though, um, you know, and seeing the problems that uh, that owner had to deal with, with, you know, like theft and patients and, you know, just trying to do his best and deliver care in an urban neighborhood where he lived you know, in a completely different area. Um, it just was a lot. So it's not really my charge.
0: <laughs> right. What type of hurdles did you have to deal with uh, working in a big corporation like that, uh, like Walgreens? Like, especially over the last 20 years, the way the climate of the country has changed, like what did you have to face each day?
1: Your um, the biggest thing was just making sure i had a voice making sure i was heard like i you know would tell anybody that you know you you can't come in here and take my job from me like i know what i'm doing i know why i'm here you know i know why i was chosen i know why i chose walgreens you know so that's just always been like the biggest key points that i keep in the forefront of when i go to work every day and why i come to work
0: all right that's a. Uh... Okay, I have to ask you this question because you're a doctor of pharmacy, right? (laughs) In a lot of people's minds, uh, pharmacies are considered, uh, you know, drug dealers. (laughs) I mean, you're carrying the same weight as a drug dealer on the street it feels like. Um, Is it true that doctors are trying to keep people on medication and keep that thing funded, or are they literally trying to help people get healthy? This is a question for the people. It's just a general question so there's a lot of that going on so i wanted to hear your opinion
1: i feel like you have a little of both you know there are people that are there to help and there are people that are there to make money you know and either way it's a business you know so there is that you know we need to be profitable it needs to make sense you know but at the same time like Nobody with a heart or a conscience is trying to keep you sick, you know, but you have to understand that, you know, taking medications, the, the, the types of food that you eat affect what's going on in your body. Everything foreign that you put in your body causes some kind of, you know, reaction. So you have to be mindful of that, you know. So, I mean, it's just what comes with it is risk versus benefit with everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so, can you tell us um, just pretty much how things have been in this climate of COVID um, and how that's affected you or just even just your job? What has that um, been like for you?
1: So, personally, I mean, I spent a lot of time away from my family, my parents mostly. Um, you know, they're pretty old at this point in their 70s. So, I just wanted to like, keep them safe and healthy. Um, the biggest thing for me professionally was keeping my staff healthy and happy and coming to work, you know, so that we can keep the customers, you know, healthy and happy as well. So it just was, you know, making sure we had everything we needed, you know, um, protective gear was a big thing in the beginning and very hard to come by. Um, so just making sure we had everything we needed to protect ourselves and make sure everybody, you know, in my store and company was, you know equipped and taken care of.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. And so for the younger people, um, on here, what was your journey like? Um, just the path, you know, in college, having this major and like all the things that you had to do, um, to get where you are today.
1: So I actually started off as pre-med, um, and after talking to my counselor, although I was halfway through my undergrad biology degree, decided to shift I didn't change majors because I was already so far along. She suggested I continue it and, you know, finish it out. Um, But I did change focus to pharmacy with her help. Um, She just helped me incorporate the classes so that I would still be able to apply for pharmacy school, you know, once I finished that first degree. So it just was it was Xavier made it very easy in a sense to you know, find comfort and be able to talk out your ideas and for them to help you, you know, turn it into a fact. So, I mean, it wasn't difficult, you know, it was of course hard being away from my family, 900 miles away by myself, essentially, Um, you know, but Xavier is like family and they take care of the people who, you know, are there for the right reasons. So, you know, it wasn't crazy or different, you know, like super hard. It just was you know, an adjustment and you had to be focused and you had to be there and know the reason why you were there and stay of course.
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so what advice can you give um, the students for anyone who might be interested within this field?
1: So I say, you know, apply for jobs, go get internships, go talk to your local pharmacists and see, you know, get opinions and and try to work in it, you know, do the research that to make sure it's something you want to do long term, you know, Walgreens. You know, pharmacy is a very vast field and there are a lot of different angles to it. It's a lot of different avenues to go down. You know, you could be with a drug company, you can be in retail, you can be in hospital. You know, it's very suitable to, you know, live in a comfortable life with a family Mm -hmm you know, or if you want to be, you know, a jet setter, like you can kind of do anything with it. So I just would say to really focus on it. And if that's what you figure out is like the best thing for you, then, you know, really push towards making that happen, you know, and make sure that it's what you want to do. And that's with any career.
2: Yeah. And I love how you said internships because, and I don't know if this is an HBCU thing, because I did go to Hampton University, um, but, you know, they really pushed, For like getting internships early, like even freshman year, and so I realized I noticed the difference because my sister who went to UC Irvine, um, she, I don't know if it's, I don't know what it was, but they didn't really push that. Maybe it was just on her particularly, but the importance of internships, like the HBC, HBC, seriously prepared in doing so. So for all the younger people, I would really highly suggest. Um, to get those internships because they're so important. I mean, like, that definitely has changed because, I mean, people were coming out of these HBCUs with jobs already because, you know, they had that experience.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, and that's, I'm a prime example of that. I started, and, and it wasn't through school that I got my internship. I literally walked into a Walgreens at 17 with an empty resume and, you know, asked to speak to the pharmacy manager and told her, hey, I don't have children. I have a car and I have nothing to do, <coughs> you mm-hmm. know, like, hire me. So she did. You know, I honestly never even filled out an application. My, you know, initially started working for Walgreens. It was literally me standing in front of her presenting myself in such a way and asking for a chance.
0: Okay. I right, a quick question for you, Doc. What is the differences? We have a, a lot of young adults here in, uh, in our podcast today. What are the differences between an HVU, HBCU and a regular university, so to speak? That's coming from a brother that never made it to a university or HBCU so I would love to know myself
1: so considering that both of my degrees are from Xavier at HBCU I really don't know about you know PWIs Mm -hmm. Um, but I from what I've heard and what I have been told I feel like it's the personal connections that you make with people including staff and professors and just everybody having a vested interest in you doing well personally you know Mm -hmm. what I mean as long as you show that you have that drive and that that's what you want you know, is, is that love from the university that you, that personal connection from the people, you know, when I was applying to pharmacy school, I was in their office personally, like, hey, I'm Melanie, how y'all doing? Like, <laughs> you know, get used to seeing my face, you know, I mean, and they, it was, it was a wonderful thing. And I mean, it, it made it easier to interview. It made it more comfortable, you know, just to go in there every day. I was happy to go to school and happy to be in New Orleans, you know and they're making a difference in my
0: life and for myself. And that's where you met uh, Mr. Dwayne Aikens, right,
1: at Xavier.
0: Early on. (laughs) I met Dwayne. uh, Dwayne (laughs) talks a lot about Xavier. Actually, my sister-in-law went to Xavier, too. I think I know the song, but I'm not going to sing it for you. So, uh, being at HBCU, and I I just realized it was a Catholic school, did you have to learn Catholicism while you were there as well as whatever major you were in?
1: I... Initially, well, I know when we were there in order to graduate, you had to have taken like a semester of theology, but it wasn't something that they like rammed down your throat or, you know, forced you to deal Mm -hmm. with, you know, church wasn't mandatory and all of that kind of stuff. It just was there if you needed it or wanted it. Mm
0: -hmm. That's unique. Um, I never considered any college to, well, you know, any HBCU to be uh, associated with religion like that. So Mm -hmm. that's a very unique thing.
1: It's the Uh, only one in the country.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you'll find, Tone, that in
3: Louisiana, Chicago, that whole little area, it's a ton of Black Catholics. I was blown away when I first got there. Like, it's a really going to be Black Catholics.
0: We had a Black nun there, too.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, because we're, we're from the West Coast, so, you know, our Catholics are our Latino brothers and sisters. It's not a lot of, you know, it's not a lot of that going on. So when I first heard that Xavier was a Catholic school, that just blew my mind, uh, yeah. considering, you know, where I'm from. But uh, anyway... I want to get into the vaccines uh, considering the fact that you're working in the pharmaceutical industry. How has that been? Uh, I'm, I can't speak personally about the vaccine because I haven't had it yet. Uh, I could be honest about that. Um, and I'll tell you why it's uh strictly out of fear. It has nothing to do with, you know, political reasoning or anything like that. I've, I've never had a flu shot in my life.
1: Okay. so, uh,
0: And I'm an older man, you know, uh, so I guess my fear is what if I do it now? And then I really get told because I never had anything like that before. What can you tell, you know, our young adults and listeners, like, what are the benefits of this vaccine?
1: I mean, so basically it just helps your immune system. It's like an immune system booster, if you will, to ready for if you do come in contact with the virus or become infected, it just helps your body to deal with it better. Uh, So I do recommend you get it as I do everybody. Um I get the fear though, you know, with them coming up with this so quickly with all of the weird you know advertisements to you know kind of incentivize people to get it. It's weird. But I do think that it is helpful, you know, and it's been proven with past vaccines that you know it's useful, you know, and it's beneficial. So I recommend it. I've gotten it, you know, and I was skeptical at first, uh, but I started going to the long-term care facilities and, you know, immunizing the older population first, the first group of people that they allowed. And I walked in the door and just kind of felt like, man, you can really be a threat. You could be one of the asymptomatic people with it and walking in here, you know, putting all of these people at risk, you know? So I literally, the first day that I was doing immunizations, um, got it just because it was like, an awakening, you know, seeing these people so happy to get it, so afraid, not not being able to see their families, you know, just, it was, like, the thing to do, I felt like.
0: Anya, do you have anything to add?
2: Um, For someone that is vaccinated, um, you know, everyone is different with whether they want to get it or not, but honestly, when you look at how scary, you know, we've been with COVID for over a year now and the amount of people it's affected, people that have died from it. um, For me, my personal experience and why I got it was because of the amount of deaths. And if something is here, you know, to protect us and to help us, um, you know, I don't think that I wanted to be scared of some, you know, the vaccine, than COVID itself, because I mean, the numbers of deaths that COVID, you know, has done is just not comparable to the side effects or, the small deaths that you know this vaccine has done. So I don't know. From my personal experience, I also would just tell people to just do your research, but also think about it because again, it is like a protective barrier for you. So it's gonna keep you safe. Doesn't mean you can't still get it, but you have a you know a lower chance um with anything that's anything. So yeah, I recommend it as well.
0: Absolutely. I I've learned that it's a layer of protection. And it's only 95% you know, and it's like putting a seatbelt on in a car. You know, your chances of living is a little higher because you have that layer of protection. I'm still in fear, though, Doc. So, <laughs> is there any other information that you can give people in my position, you know, to uh, to probably push them towards getting a vaccine? Like, what would you what would you say to me to to get me to take that thing? I
1: mean, have you seen your family? You know, like you know. Just, just a concern for other people. If you aren't that concerned for yourself, and you feel like you're in great health, and you can, you know, withstand it, like I had COVID, it wasn't, you know, a severe case of it at all. So, I mean, my train of thought was just like, oh, I know the vaccine couldn't do much else, you know. I actually was sick, so I'm sure I can, <laughs> you know, tough through whatever is gonna happen, you know, reaction wise from the vaccine. So I would just tell you, you know, to think about the people you love and think about the people that are close to you. I know a lot of people that lost, you know, close family members, their fathers and grandparents and mothers and, you know, cousins and friends to COVID. So I just I don't want to be the person putting anybody at risk. So I don't think you want to
0: either. <laughs> and my wife, like you should have got it. You should have got the vaccine. <laughs> I get it up. Uh,
3: Tone, Tone, I heard something really funny. It was an Instagram post and somebody was like, you fools running around here taking every drug in the book and you scared to (laughs) take the vaccine. So there's something wrong with that. Like you do (laughs) it.
1: Completely.
3: All all the Percocet, all the molly (laughs) stuff that can have you, that can make you almost down syndrome, but you scared to take a
1: vaccine.
0: And
1: right. you don't
0: even know where that stuff is coming from. <laughs> right. No, that, yeah, that's being made at somebody's bathroom. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: You
0: don't know Everybody. how it got here in somebody's stomach. Oh, well. <laughs> 75% there. Uh, it didn't do anything to my wife. My wife was cool. She took her first one, <laughs> And then the second one, the magnet didn't stick to her arm or nothing like that. So uh, <laughs> I was like, because I'm, I'm TikTok savvy. I'm Instagram savvy. So I, I see all this mess going on. So I definitely don't take any of that, any of that at, you know, at, at level. I'm just always just, it's funny for me. Yeah. I just watched to see how she took it. Now, I guess I'm thinking about my children. Like, is there any instances where kids under the age of 16 are having issues with taking the vaccination?
1: Not that I've witnessed or been privy to. I have not had any customers return with any issues or anything.
0: We have a guest on here in the mind, uh, he says sequencing has come so far recently that mRNA data is really reliable and makes making a vaccine easier these days. In your perspective as a doctor, is that true? Yep, that's the
1: that's what Pfizer is mRNA.
0: <laughs> okay, what was the situation with the Johnson and Johnson vaccination? Because that seemed to have issues. Was that on the same line as Pfizer and Moderna, or were they on a different platform creating their vaccine?
1: That I don't know. I don't work for Johnson and Johnson or like a pharmaceutical company. So, um, but I believe I don't. I think it's mRNA, but I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on with Johnson and Johnson.
0: Because Johnson and Johnson stated that there was only going to be one shot that you were it able is- to take. Oh, that was the one I wanted. Yeah, I wanted that one.
2: That is actually the one that I did. I yeah. did John- Johnson Johnson. Oh, you
0: did Johnson. Is-
1: Johnson Johnson is just one shot.
0: That's more uh, feasible for me, the double shot thing and the the stretch of time between each shot. I think we had COVID-19 before March, before they dropped the whole pandemic. We did. We did. Yeah, yeah, I I believe my whole household, (laughs) we were all sick, my kids, my wife. Like, we were just tore up. And then we got through it with, you know, Southern Remedies, (laughs) You you know, the Vicks on the feet and the... Yeah. Keep coming on your head and laughing. <laughs> so I was like, okay, we beat it, but it just got really bad. Um, did you see a difference between the East Coast and the West Coast and how big it was on y'all side compared to ours? Was it worse on the East Coast compared to the West?
1: I it was really bad
0: on y'all end. And I thought it was <laughs> too bad on y'all end. It was. I didn't see it, but Anya, what do you feel?
2: <laughs> bad, like even in New York, I mean, in even California, I think it was, they were both pretty up there, really.
0: Like yeah. all right i'm glad you touched on these uh vaccine questions because that's that's something that's really big especially in our community in oakland uh oakland is sort of like chicago uh so we have all the same uh, ups and downs so i i really appreciate that information but uh getting back to it i don't think a lot of people here know but you did speak to the president joe biden what was that like
1: it was very exciting. I was I felt super honored and privileged to have been referred by our regional health care director for it. Um, mm-hmm. it came along very, very fast. So I was not prepared, i.e. the hair. So, you know, it just was a whirlwind. Like it was pretty cool.
2: So how did so someone referred you um, to talk with him um, on that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, our regional healthcare director called me when I was leaving work on a Saturday and asked me to um, do a roundtable with Susan Rice. He did not say, I don't know if he did or didn't know that the president was going to be doing it at that time. Um, so I was like, sure, you know, okay. <laughs> Very outside of my element, but sure, I can give it a shot I it, Yeah. Um, it wasn't until like 10 o'clock Sunday that I found out it was going to be the president mm-hmm. and we did it Tuesday afternoon. So it wasn't a whole lot of time to be like in shock. <laughs> right. It happened so fast, but yeah.
2: that was super exciting. Were you nervous? Completely. Mm-hmm.
1: And it was crazy because I, when we were like, you know, I had the Walgreens team prepping me and I was messing up you know, with them. And then every time like the White House staff got on the line, I was like, good. <laughs> so they were like, maybe it it's just us. <laughs> but it went well, I think.
2: No, that is really good. Um, so in advice, again, for our younger people, um, just trying to get in that phase of college and just the necessary steps they need to take um, just for their life to be successful?
1: Can you repeat that if the phone
2: went out a little bit? Okay. Um, Just for our younger people, again, because we always want to make sure that we are giving them the knowledge that they need, um, just the step thing to take so that they're successful if they're thinking about college, um, just any advice for them?
1: I would, my biggest thing is focus, you know, try to find something that you enjoy doing it and turn it into something that's going to, you know, create a life for you and the type of life that you want for you. You know, if you want children, you know, you can't work somewhere or have a career that is super time consuming. If you want a spouse, if you want to travel, you know, you need money to, to have those things and to do those things. So you need to pick a career that, you know, facilitates that, you know, you work, you don't work to live, you live to work. Or, other way around, actually. But mm-hmm. you get the point. It's, you know, you just want to. I tell everybody that I meet the younger people to really try to figure out something that they would enjoy doing and turn it into something that's lucrative that'll, you know, facilitate what it is they want to do with themselves in life and try to turn it into something that they can mentor and teach other people as well. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing for me is just to fo- find a focus and, you know, just work towards it if that's what you decide you want to do.
0: Okay. Exactly. That is great. I have a quick question, well, not a quick question, but pharmacy. Um, The way I was raised and what I did growing up in the particular neighborhood I did in Oakland, uh, grew up as a pharmacist. Literally, Um, I'm wondering how we get these kids that grew up the way I did to transition into that field, because actually, that's a field they can actually thrive at. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was things that I was creating uh, when I was in that particular. Area of life, <laughs> and you know, and we were dealing with a lot of chemicals, a lot of you know things that were tearing our communities down. Um, what I'm asking is, what do I say to these young adults to get them to transition from that into a field like yours? Hmm.
1: I mean, you know, we grew up with some of those people too. And I just used to try to explain to them, you know, you know, my parents are actually pharmacists and they do what you do and they get paid and it's legal, you know, and I just try to just explain, like, not to be afraid of science. Like, that's what you're doing. That's you're creating something, you know, with your own hands that you, you know, if it was for different reasons, of course, could be proud of, you know. So it's just like turning water into wine, if you will, and and just making it you know, it has to be a legal real thing, you know, and it's just science is a great thing, you know, for many different reasons. And every interaction you have has some kind of science backing to it. Uh, so it just, it's, it's, it's a matter of just really focusing and figuring out like, you know, avoiding the trouble you know, wanting to be a part of society in a positive way, you know, and just avoiding negative things. Like you don't want to be ashamed of what you're doing. You don't want to have to hide in the shadows, you know, like that's just not a great life for you. And it's not a long-term solution to anything. So I try to encourage them, you know, if you are smart enough to do this on your own and you figured that out, you know, imagine what you could do you know, with a degree behind your name or in a in a situation, you know, go intern somewhere. Go, They have pharmaceutical companies that will let you do this and you get paid. You know, and you can tell your mama about it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the biggest problem for our youth today is to getting into any field is seeing someone that looks like them in that particular field. Exactly. Uh, and it kind of deters us. And I say us because, you know, I was a part of that group it was hard for me to, to see anything of light because nobody looked like me, you know? And I was like, well, I don't even see us in this field. So why would I even attempt to join something that we're not a part of anyway, but uh,
3: mm-hmm.
0: dealing with this podcast and all the doctors that we have talked to come out of Xavier and i this is in the tens, you know, tens and twenties, 30, almost 30 some odd doctors straight out of Xavier that are all power. You know what I mean? It, is, it was just crazy to me. Uh, the way Dwayne kept flooding them in there like and this is why we created this podcast to have guests like yourself and give some information to our uh, young guests. Uh, Dwayne you have anything to say? I know you do. I see you hit the laugh button. (laughs) This this has been great like I I think
3: doctors like Dr. Owen should definitely be voices should be heard like that that Southside Chicago ingests everything that they have to go through just to persevere and leaving Oakland to go to a historical black college. And it's, it's really like a different world. Like I, I was introduced to a whole different class of black folks that I wasn't used to participating with like folks who families owned houses and they were second, third generation to go to college. And you like, I'm the first person to do this. <laughs> Like even the folks from Chicago, chicago I mean, uh, Detroit, they get a lot of bad rep, but many of our friends from Detroit, they parents were on their own car dealership yeah. companies. So it's kind of like you get exposed to so much and you like the world is so much bigger than East Oakland. Uh, let me mm-hmm. think outside the box and let me dare to be a little bit different. And so um, Melanie's kicking game. And I just uh, really like to talk to the, uh, to the young people who may have family members at the house that are scared to take this vaccine, uh, living in apartments and stuff like that. Cause when you don't have the space and you on top of each other and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that can really help the virus spread a lot faster. And then we got these new variants that's coming. So just having a level of protection over you to make sure that if you do get sick, that you're not just now trying to eat the vegetables and the soup and stuff and you already got the the food in you so that you can be
0: safe so thank you thank you Dwayne, thank you doc i'm looking for an appointment now uh miss anya Anya, you want to take the floor for a moment
2: um let's talk about do we have a question oh um let's just talk a little bit about um just the amount of school you have to go go through i don't know much about Uh, pharmacy but um how much school did you have to endure
1: so it is a doctorate degree um starting from two years of undergrad and four years of pharmacy school which is you know grad school essentially so six years total
2: okay and how was those six years for you was it hard a lot of work i mean it's a lot of school and it's a lot that you have to do to even graduate. So explain to the people um, pretty much how that was.
1: It was a lot of work. Um, pharmacy school was definitely more work than I was accustomed to having to do. <laughs> um, our second, the, well, they say in most schools, most pharmacy schools that the second year is the hardest. Because that's where, you know, all the information floods in, the introduction is over, you know, you here to, to make it start rolling. Um, the third year is the last, uh, year of like book learning, if you will. And then a fourth year is rotations or essentially like a residency without, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, so, I mean, you have two really tough years, you know, out of six, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think it's awful and it definitely goes by quickly, you know, and like I said, Xavier was a, a very comfortable place to be. So, you know, if you're looking for help or need help, they definitely swarm in to be there for you and provide that assistance. So, you know, I don't it wasn't the worst thing I've ever done. I'll say that.
2: And so what about even currently with working, um, having a work life balance? Did you feel like you had that, especially in the beginning when you first started out?
1: Yeah, like, so, you know, like I a pharmacy is a very, um, I don't have a word for it, but it's, it's easy to manage, you know, mm-hmm. it allows for, you know, my parents had three children and other businesses at the same time that they worked full time pharmacy jobs and they were able to do that because, you know, nine times out of 10, it's a set schedule, you know, there's a steady rotation, you know, you know, when you're coming and going. Mm-hmm. And when you're there, it's not much you can do as outside of that. But, you know, your time is pretty much your time. There's not a lot of work that I do at home, you know, for work. So.
0: I was Did you have to time. take the MCATs?
1: No, it's a PCAT.
0: PCAT. It's cat. Definitely a cat. I that. <laughs> it's, cat. <laughs> it's cat. I'm sorry, Aja, Go ahead.
2: That's, please jump in. And So how was that test for you?
1: I actually didn't have to take it the year after I got into Xavier's College of Pharmacy, is when they started uh, requiring a PCAT. So I, I missed it. <laughs> uh, okay, you were like, <laughs> very
3: lucky. <laughs> and Xavier usually okay. tests for everything. You have to test to become an official sophomore. So if you did not, pass, I mean, to become official junior. So if you didn't pass your sophomore comps, you may have the credits, but you are still considered a sophomore <laughs> until you pass it. Speech, wow. comp-, comp, 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 capstone. Like you have to test pretty much test in, test out, <laughs> yeah. everything,
0: test. Hey, for you and, and for Dr. Melanie, uh, what is what do you have to do to get into Xavier? Like, what do your grade point average have to be? What do you have to get that push from a senior to get in there?
1: So. The application that I remember, we had to submit a, a picture, which I thought was weird. <laughs> but with the application, you had to submit a headshot photo. Um, it was a like a two to three page application. You had to have a two to four letters of recommendation. They wanted community service. They wanted um, an essay and a fee, like a $50 fee. I don't know what it is. <laughs> now, but
3: that was back in, you know, 99. Yeah, the application wasn't really hard. I think at Xavier, it's more so, I feel like they look for the diamonds in the roughs amongst us. And um, your resume for sure stands out, like how many, what you can, what you have done in your high school and middle school portfolio definitely stands out because I sucked on the SATs, but I had a high GPA and a crazy (laughs) resume. And so that kind of balanced me out, uh, but I do remember. I don't, some people agree with it, some people don't. But I remember our first meeting with the president of the university, and he said, "Look to your left, look to your right. Somebody's not going to be here." Mm-hmm. And I told I told both of the people on the side of me. I ain't gonna say their names, but I told both of them because they might come for me on here. <laughs> but I told both of them, "Y'all not graduating because I'm walking this stage." Both of Are them finish, but they're doing pretty all right now. But um, I think it's all about you once you get there, you gotta do the work in order to stay there. But I think Xavier looks for diamonds in the rough. It looks for people that uh it keep the talent that Harvard don't get the steal, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think they did require a minimum of like an 18, you know, ACT.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah. telling you, my, my whole thing. So I can't hear.
1: I didn't wear well a little ACT, so
0: I don't know. <laughs> well, well, my I whole thing would go down there is to eat meat pies. So <laughs> I, I don't think yeah. I've ever had a meat pie.
2: <laughs> what? I heard, it didn't um, look
1: good.
0: What the meat pies? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to eat this. Oh my goodness. Girl, dude, my wife took me to a gas station. She said, I'm about to give I'm going to take you to the best food oh. you ever had. And I, we pulled up to a gas ever. station. That's yeah, that's food it is. I looked at my wife's like for real. <laughs> I'm like, we came from Oakland to go to a gas station, but it was the greatest thing
1: ever. <laughs> I, like, yeah. You know, yeah. get good. the mansion wings.
2: Yeah, what was the food like at Xavier? <laughs> so my mom is from New Orleans,
1: and she went to Xavier. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's, it's delicious. It's amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I had
3: a management job at Walgreens, so I used to be able to cook. So they used to come to my house to eat. So exactly. used to eat good at our house. Me and Trent would cook up all
1: kinds. Of stuff. <laughs> and Dwayne had the best parties at his house. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: That
1: is
3: funny. Epic parties. I about to say,
2: we won't talk about them in detail, but they're fantastic parties. <laughs>
3: Lord, y'all, message all of y'all. Go to college. Go to college. Go to college. Yes.
2: All righty. Well, thank you to our special guest, Miss Melanie Owens, for taking the time to be with us today. We always give our guests a thirty-second spot to promote whatever you like um, the world to know. The floor is yours.
1: So oh, I want, um, what I want the youth to take away from this is just really finding a passion in something that they love to do and turn it into a, you know, fiscal situation for themselves. They need to generate money. They need to be positive influences in a world. We really need that push for younger people to really get out there and change the narrative of what they are viewed as now. So right.
0: Thank you for that, Dr. Melanie. Uh, before we let uh, Anya close out, I just want to give the floor a chance to uh, ask any questions before we let doctor go back to saving the world. And I just did my appointment with Walgreens. So oh. thanks. thanks a lot, Dr. Melanie. Uh, <laughs> and feel free to use Uber
1: to get you there for free.
0: OK, you got, I thought I thought it was free.
1: No, the shot is free, but Uber will take you to your appointment for free.
0: Oh. Snaps for Uber. Snaps for Uber. No wonder they offered me that. Okay, yeah, yeah I've seen that. All right. I think we got a question uh, from Angela. It says, so I heard that you have quite a lot of experience working in a pharmaceutical and was just wondering what quality or what is your favorite thing about working with it and also your least favorite quality or thing about working with it. Um,
1: I definitely really enjoy working with the public, you know, I choose to work in stores that are in underserved communities um, for a reason, and I really enjoy the interaction and changing their view of what a pharmacist looks like, you know, I often get a lot of customers, old and young, that are very excited that the pharmacy manager is a young Black woman, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's really nice to have those conversations and see that you're making a difference See, you know, have them understand what it is they're doing to provide for themselves. You know, I always try to get my customers to advocate advocate for themselves in healthcare, and it can be difficult when you're looking at an older white guy, you know, with this lab coat on who is not, you know, saying words that you understand or you know, really walking you through how to use the different machines that you may need. So, you know, I try to be that that go between or that guide
0: to soften that you know and make it more palatable okay um i have a quick question to that uh, i actually i have sleep apnea mm-hmm. that's another reason why i didn't want to take this uh vaccination mm-hmm. i didn't want it to enhance you know the thing that i'm already trying to fix now i'm on medication now for it um will that know? affect me at all or is that because it is dealing with my heart, like I was going for years, the doctor said, at 25%, my heart was beating at 25% for a year. Mm-hmm. And I was working, you know, 16 hour shifts. I was coaching, you know, and then I started working with Dwayne and we lead ours. And that actually saved my life a little bit, <laughs> like brought brought the hours down, you know, made it a little more palatable for me to uh, to work. Um, so that, is that, that, you think that affects anybody with conditions like mine, uh, the vaccine? No.
1: They have uh, deemed it safe for pretty much everybody Um, as long as like so far, I think it's 12 and up. It's safe. You know, they haven't, I don't know of any health conditions that I see on a daily basis that are out of range for being able to take it.
0: Okay. Cause I'm telling you, my nerves are going crazy right now. (laughs) Uh, Because because it's vaccination is something else, but please, Everybody on here listening, if you haven't got the vaccination, uh, Xavier and Dr. Melanie approved, go get it. I just got my appointment. I'm going to be there tomorrow. So uh, thank you so much for showing. I appreciate that. Yes. Go ahead, Bethany. Go ahead, Doc. No, I was just saying you're welcome. I'm glad that
1: you signed up for it. <sighs> yes. Oh, thank you, Me- Melanie. We appreciate you
2: here. Um, we've learned so much information. I hope that everyone has taken something away from this. Um, As always, we'd like to thank our audience for joining us today. You can catch all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and YouTube. Also give us a follow on Instagram at We The Scenario Podcast, mentoring on the fly, and We Lead Hours. Big love and appreciate to all who support our team here at We The Scenario. Have a blessed week. See you next time on We The Scenario.